0: In this episode of Full Nerd, Ryzen 5000 review, Xbox Series X slash S, and your questions answered. Welcome to the Full Nerd episode 156. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with co host Brad it. Charkis. Elaine Yee coming from our awesome
1: yeah. lab studio. I James Studio Benchmark's in the background, so, you know. <laughs> Hi, everybody.
0: <laughs> and Adam Patrick Murray controlling the vertical and horizontal.
2: I'm here. I'm tired. But, Gordon, <laughs> how come we aren't talking about the most important information uh, that came out last week? Uh, the Nintendo Switch has received ray tracing.
0: Wait, Seriously?
3: Yeah. Oh, the emulator. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I oh. I was literally playing Control with ray tracing enabled uh on the Nintendo Switch. Isn't it That's isn't it marvelous? Yeah. We don't even need a PC anymore.
3: At 2 frames a second. I uh, know actually. It's,
2: <laughs> so you get you get your pick of two. Uh it's either the uh, performance mode, so it's uh at 1080p60 or or uh graphics mode 1080 1080 30 uh with all the ray tracing bells and whistles turned on so
0: and actually running on the switch hardware
2: no no it's uh <laughs> it's from the cloud
0: <laughs> so this is not officially sanctioned Nintendo
2: stuff no this is no. yeah oh, it is. yeah yeah no oh, I mean okay. they, they they're partnering with a company to offer cloud games they've had some in other regions but this is the first time we've come to uh to the u s so you literally download the game you you uh, buy it through this service. I can't remember the name of the service off, the top, off the top of my head, and and it runs. It's it's actually wow. runs surprisingly well.
0: No, I'm just surprised, honestly, that Nintendo's doing it because they're they're pretty. They play things pretty pretty much like it's 1987 generally. So <laughs> I'm I'm quite quite surprised. That's cool. You know what's cooler though?
2: What is cooler, Gordon?
0: Ryzen 5000, right? Yes.
1: Show us the money chart. (laughs) Insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, again, if you're watching this video, we have a one-hour video getting into all the benchmark charts. You can also go to PCWorld.com and read our review. Uh, Hint, it's basically the best consumer CPU we've ever seen. But we're going to do a quick summary. Uh, We're going to kick this off. Again, not everybody does 3D rendering. Yeah, we hear you, Intel. But this is a great way to sort of visualize the performance of these chips.
2: Is, so is that where you want to start, or do you want to start on some of the information stuff? Oh, do we want to start on the info first? I mean, where, just, how maybe, I... maybe just a little bit if you want.
0: I'm trying to think of... You know, of course, I've lost the folder here. I'm really... I'm just kind I mean, of we don't have
2: to. Maybe people already know about the parts, but maybe they just want to see the benchmarks. Yeah.
3: So today you reviewed the uh sixteen core thirty-two thread fifty nine fifty X, right? And yep. that's what, eight hundred bucks. Uh you also reviewed the five hundred dollars or four fifty. What did it five fifty. It's five fifty now. Uh fifty nine hundred x which has twelve cores, twenty four threads. Uh there's also an eight core part, the fifty eight hundred X. 449, uh, 449, and then there's the $300 5600x with six cores and 12 threads that came out today. Yep. And, and AMD claimed 19% IPC increase.
0: Yes. In fact, why don't you show where a lot of the performance is coming from? Of course, actually, I didn't. We're not going to show you what's uh, actually happened at the core level, uh, which is a lot of it. Um, you know, they've improved uh, IPC. They've been crew, improved uh, uh, integer performance, floating point, everything. Basically, it's, they redid the cores, but there's actually something they, they did with Zen 3 over Zen 2 that is a lot, that has a lot to do with its gaming performance, and we can show that in, uh, slide A here. Number A here.
2: Uh, alpha. No, no, a. Number A.
0: Number A. <laughs> it's been a long couple of weeks. It's yeah. early on the West Coast, too. Early on the West Coast. On the left hand side, you see Zen 2, which powered the, still really awesome Ryzen 3000 on the right you see Zen 3 the big difference is that Zen 2 was uh, had just like the previous designs what it was built every CCX had four cores in it they shared 16 megs of L3 that was connected to a second four core CCX for the eight core versions and more to get them to eight cores but very much like uh, a condo or apartment unit if you were in unit uh, zero and you wanted to borrow sugar from unit you know eight you had to walk down the stairs down the hallway come back up the stairs to the other one go in get that and it was really you know there was basically a lot of latency so with zen three they said you know what we're going to build these uh ccx's with eight cores so instead of say having four units in your apartment complex you now have eight so if you need to borrow sugar from you know Uh, Apartment 8, now you just simply go across the hallway. So that has really led to a huge difference in latency reductions. And also, previously you had 16 megs of L3 for each of those four cores. Now it's basically a shared 32 meg L3 cache. You can think of it very much like um, the storage space in that apartment complex. If you wanted to borrow a sleeping bag from your neighbor in apartment 7, you had to wait, you had to ask that neighbor for, to go get it from you from their storage space, which you can't access because it's locked up, right? Well, with Zen 3, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go down to the storage unit and get the sleeping bag because they said I could take it, right? I'm not stealing it. But they, you basically have a, a larger 32 meg cache. So huge reductions in latency, much larger cache, which contributes to a lot of the gaming performance and a completely redesigned core That basically makes everything faster, 19% instructions per clock. I didn't actually do clock-for-clock tests, but I didn't really need to because it was really close to that 19% in a lot of the tests from Zen 2 to Zen 3. We'll kick it off with uh, slide one then, yeah? Yeah. This is Cinebench. We're not going to get into all the details again, but look at it. On top, that Ryzen, that red bar. Red bar is new AMD. Green is older AMD. By the way, it's AMD's older corporate color, in case you're wondering. And blue is Intel. Just insane performance out of that 16 core 5950X, right? I mean, that's... You're looking at the multi-thread one? Yeah, we're looking at the multi-threaded. It so Cinebench 10,000. That's nuts. <laughs> it broke 10,000. Uh, and I think what's really impressive, though, is when you look at Ryzen. Um, why in the world? Oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. So when you look at 16-core uh, performance, it's 19% faster from that, that 5960X. It's 19% faster than a Cascade Lake X with 18 cores. So two more cores, four more threads. And that Ryzen 959X is 19% faster than it. So, wow. and of course, it was already faster. The previous Ryzen 3000 16-core part, the 3950X was already faster. But this new Ryzen 5950X is 14% faster than the older 16-core 3950X. Uh, and AMD basically said, honestly, we, you know, our limit is uh, our is socket power. You know, you just can't, the amazing thing is, this is built on the exact same 7 nanometer process, you just can't, they can't get the power out of it, it's really designed for a certain amount of of power and TDP, it's still a 105 watt part, they're basically saying, yeah, 14% is where we had to stop because we want to be compatible with AM4, which is awesome, Mm but you know really think about this you take these cores and you put them into a thread ripper socket where you have a lot more power and it's gonna get it'll get ugly it'll get really ugly and of course against intel that's the really ugly part right i mean it's just pure destruction when you look at the real intel desktop part which is that 10 core part ryzen 9 5900x is 35 percent faster than that 10 core core i9 10900k wow of course it's got two more cores four more threads but still that's that's just a crazy amount more performance and then just so people know um over 3900x the previous version very 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 nice they said 19 um it's 20 to 21 percent against our sc- scores that we've generated so that's that's very impressive right last one i'm going to kick off we're just going to do one more one more benchmark chart because again you can go watch a video but let's look at a single threaded performance
2: so slide 7
0: slide no slide 2 cuz i think i numbered them correctly
2: no the, they're numbered how they were from the no original the ones video.
0: i oh really oh okay slide slide 7 or yeah many slides Oh, no, <laughs> i didn't number renumber all, all, all those no, that's fine there were a lot, but look at, it. so what really matters though is single core performance, because it has been one of those things Intel can say, hey, we're still competitive here. They mm-hmm. actually used to be faster. They're competitive still, kinda, sorta, but yeah, AMD is here to say, eh, not anymore, because look at, it. this is crazy. Uh, let's look at the Ryzen 9 5900X, that second red bar. It is 18% faster than a 10900K uh that is a 5.3 gigahertz turbo velocity boost but i can tell you under Cinebench R20 it is not really hitting 5.3 but that's 18% faster than that chip and uh and again remember uh, AMD says 90% better IPC although the clocks aren't normalized here but they're 17% faster than the 3900XT which was the very best of the 3900XT cores and then they are 27% faster than the 3900X. So again, it's it's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of there's it's just stupidly good,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Well, we we had a, a couple of people ask uh if they need to get their parents permission to to watch this video. Yes. <laughs> okay. I was just
0: thinking should do you think I was PG-13 or is he actually NC-17? So no, it,
2: no, it it was obviously. R. I'd say I say it was a hard R. Not not quite okay, NC-17. Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: a little
2: violent. <laughs> Just a little violent. Yeah. This this one's a little more tampered down. Uh it know? is. So this one's I'd say this one's PG thirteen, but still, I mean PG thirteen. This is this is a, a whooping over Intel and it itself. Yeah. It's yeah previous generation. I let's
0: hope that actually YouTube does not label our video. You need you gotta do, you know, like you're too young to view this, you need to sign in because it's obscene or something like that. <laughs> not say for work. Okay, so we know we already knew that AMD has been rocking Intel on multi core performance. That has, there's been no question about that since Ryzen 18 one. years, since yeah. Ryzen 1800X, right? They have been ruling in multi core performance. We now know they're ahead in single threaded performance. The last thing, though, is gaming performance, because that was always that one excuse Intel has had for a long time. You know what? We're still better in games. If you had the ultimate GPU, we're still slightly better in games until today, of course. So I'm just going to show you all of our bench, our gaming benchmark charts, rather than sort of get into every single one. This is basically, I don't know, 15, 15 or 18 different game settings, uh, maybe 10 different games. Again, red bar AMD, blue for Intel, green for older AMD parts, and you can see that yes, those green bars were shorter than the blue bars because as much as fans wanted to say no it wasn't true yes intel was indeed faster in games where you were not gpu limited that was not questioned by somebody who could look at it objectively not with these red bars though in almost every single test amd is single digit performance better than intel you know sometimes uh you know eight or nine percent which is nothing to sneeze about and I know people are like, well, look, how come they're not killing Intel and in gaming the way they did in the CPU tests? But, you know, gaming is largely a GPU game. I think if we had a, a 4090 or a Radeon RX 7000, we might be a little different, but the GPU does limit a lot of this. But the win here is to take away Intel's last moral uh, excuse, their yeah. moral victory to say, look, Okay, we get our butts handed to us in multi-core performance, but you ain't doing modeling. You're just playing games. You still want Intel part. AMD saying no. If you want the best gaming, you come to AMD now. Yeah, not a huge victory, but the fact that they are still better, measurably better in most games, that matters. And you get single-threaded performance. You get multi-threaded performance. Right? It's simply the best wow. CPU Ever. But I do want to break out. I just want to, I love, I love looking at this because it's just very interesting. We're going to go to slide 21, Adam. Got it. This was uh, when I sort of first started doing this in the consumer chips where I would take Cinebench. I would run it from one core, one thread all the way up to the maximum threads of that CPU just to sort of get a feel because a lot of times we only did single core. We did multi-core. But you know what? Some code really likes four threads. Some of it likes six threads. And it really gives you an idea of sort of the weaknesses and strengths of these multi-core chips. This is the original, well, the Ryzen 7, the 12-nanometer Ryzen 7 uh, 2700X versus its, its contemporary, the Core i7-8700K. AMD 8-core versus Intel 6-core. Look, right-hand side of the core of that chart, no question, AMD kicks Intel's butt all day. Nobody can challenge that. But that left side was... A big problem for those earlier Ryzen parts. Look at that. The 6-core 8700K easily handled that Ryzen 2700X. So,
3: you know? okay, those lower thread counts is where it counts for games and single-thread performance and stuff. So that, that actually made a tangible big difference. Yep.
0: Wind the clock forward to Zen 2, the Ryzen 3000. Now we have the Ryzen 9 3900X, 12 cores versus intel's core i9 eight core 9900k itself was a spectacular cpu for its day very high clocks but you know amd did step it up they got really close in fact they're slightly ahead of us that can be contributed to all the 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 political you know say people saying you should run with mce off or on or blah 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 but you know you could argue they are pretty much very, very close in those lightly threaded tasks. One to seven threads. You probably couldn't tell the difference between a, an i9 or a Ryzen 9. But, of course, you look at that right side and, you know, Ryzen 9 would just whoop all kinds of core, core i9. But no surprise. But still, pretty even, right? Pretty even. And, you know, if I'm Intel, I go and say, you know what? You're not doing 3D modeling. You don't need 24 threads. You're playing games most of the time we're generally faster to dead even with with ryzen just go with us we're the known quantity right that's easy that's that's the argument intel has made for years now it's been very true but now we go to slide 23 and this is the 12 core ryzen 9 5900x with zen 3 against the 10 core Core i9, 10900K, you could arguably say probably the very best 14-nanometer part Intel has been able to make so far against the new Zen 3 cores, and look, we went from underwater for, for 2700X to sort of even on that left side of the chart with Zen 2 with 3900X to now double-digit. I mean, 18% more performance than an Intel Core i9 10900K 5.3 gigahertz turbo velocity boost. And this is Cinebench R15. This is not Cinebench R20, which is even harder for Intel to run because they have their AVX offsets. This is just pure destruction. This just tells you there is just no choice. Whether it's a light load, whether it's a medium load, whether it's a heavy load, Ryzen, Zen 3, 5000, just, just
3: simple digits faster.
0: It puts away Intel on every single thing you can think of, right? There's just no way to justify it—not gaming, not single core, not multi-threaded. It's—it's it's just Dang. that's why this review, this podcast, may be labeled as
3: too uh obscene, too obscene, or for YouTube. <laughs> I was uh I was reading uh, an Antex, you know, review this morning, and Ian Cutris was digging into the past, and he said from the first generation Zen until now. Uh, AMD has managed to increase IPC by forty-one percent, which it's is insane, right? A lot. As yeah. as someone who's sitting here running an eighteen hundred X system and was planning to upgrade to a three thousand series processor once you know the sales start when these come out, looking at these charts, I'm like, should I just bite the bullet and buy a whole new motherboard and everything and get five thousand series because this thing looks dominant? <laughs> it's it is totally dominant. You know what? I'm not even gonna show you.
0: Uh, Listen, we can you can go into this in the in the review video. I'm not even going to show you the 5900X, 5950X, 16 core versus the 10900 because that is just simply unfair. It's just lumping it up. Yeah, I know. It's in the other one. It's (laughs) not even. We don't want to get banned by YouTube for you know being too adult content. Can we show though the uh, slide the before Ryzen after Ryzen one?
2: Uh, what what's uh slide zero? Slide zero. Okay. Yep.
0: So I. I really love this one because, you know, I hadn't sat down and looked at sort of the the scope of it lately, but all those blue lines are Intel's, you know, CPUs in, you know, this is a chart of recent consumer chips sorted by date of introduction. And you could look at 6,700K, which was Skylake. You could look at 6,900K, which was Broadwell, which why they had the same generation number, I don't know. But look at those prices, Right. Intel. And of course, we had the core i7-6950X, which cost one thousand seven hundred and twenty three dollars. I know that price by heart because it was so insanely expensive. But, you know, at that time, it just Intel like they had nothing to do. Like we're so tired. There's like we have nobody to compete with but ourselves. And you sort of see the state of this. We went from, you know, four core Skylake to four core KB Lake basically the exact same price. It's just like nothing. It was just basically nothing was going on. And then we see that first red line, that Ryzen 7 1800X, the very first Ryzen, blew everybody away because it was $500, and it gave you eight cores, which Intel was charging you $1,089 the year before, right? And then we get the 8700 k And you get to six cores with Coffee Lake, then we get to eight cores with 9,900K, and then we get to 10 cores with 10,900K. You know, basically they would add two cores every other year. Well, AMD would go from like eight cores to 12 cores to 16 cores. And the thing that really gets me about this chart too is besides seeing prices before Ryzen go like this after Ryzen, they, they took that nosedive because there's real competition. Two other things that stand out here are, There's LGA 1151, which worked with uh, Skylake and kb like, Didn't work with Broadwell, of course, because that was 2011 V3. Then 8700K was the same socket, but it didn't work. And then we have 10900K, which was a new socket. So, you know, again, there are some motherboards probably, I haven't really looked, that could probably run a 5900, right? Some X470s are getting support.
3: All in AM4. I was uh, watching also a Hardware in Boxes video this morning because like we were saying in the pre-show, I like to watch everybody's coverage. Uh, and you should too as an informed consumer. Uh, but they were saying in their test setup, they needed three different systems to test the comparable Intel parts, but they were able to test all of the Ryzen yep. CPUs right in the same one system with the 57X570 uh, <laughs> board. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the awesome part. Uh, and the other thing though is look at this.
0: That, uh, Skylake, Skylake, which 6th gen 14 nanometer KB Lake, technically 7th gen 14 nanometer. Uh, then we had 8th gen Coffee Lake 14 nanometer. Then we had 9th gen Coffee Lake R 14 nanometer. 10th yes. gen 14 nanometer. Whereas we go with Ryzen 1800X 14 nanometer, Ryzen 7 2700X 12 nanometer, Ryzen 9. 3950x, seven nanometer, and of course 3950x also seven nanometer. So every generation AMD has continued to move down in process. Of course they use TSMC, whereas I know there's a lot of a lot of enhancements Intel has done with the 14 plus 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 plus. It's kind of a meme on the internet, but they, they but they have essentially been
3: handcuffed by their 14 nanometer process this whole time. It is impressive that they managed to get from. 4.2 gigahertz all the way up to 5.3 with the same process. Yeah, so. I mean that's why. You know,
0: I know people like to talk smack about Intel, but you know what? You can all they could all say, look, we've been stuck with this, but they've really gotten. They've just gotten the fact that they're getting 10 cores, with some of those able to exceed 5 gigahertz on a 14 nanometer process. It shows you. I mean, well, in some ways, it's very mature, right? So they they know it inside and out, but. They really are getting an amazing amount of performance out of 14 nanometer, but it's just not enough. It's just not enough. It's not going to save their bacon, and and it's clear. Oh, wait. So
2: let's let's close out with the last couple charts. People want to see it. People want to see it. Bucks per thread.
1: Yeah.
2: I got to say, though, uh, on (laughs) – you, you probably should trim out a couple of these CPUs because this chart's getting real hard to read. <laughs> you know, and
0: I, you, Especially know, and I
2: have, you know, you can still
0: get oh some 2000 parts out there and ninth. I cut out a lot of parts. I cut, you know, there are just so many crazy amounts of CPUs and you do see, I think the interesting thing too is you do see. So the green, I've highlighted, I actually went in there and I looked at street pricing because, you know, the MSRPs don't really tell the whole story. I did look at street pricing and generally, you know, no surprise, AMD CPUs on the street tend to sell under the MSRP. And you can see that where that uh, so that Ryzen 5 3600X on the street, it's 20 bucks. It's actually under its MSRP. Not a huge amount, but it's definitely under it. The 3800X is actually slightly above it, which is um, one AMD part isn't there. But, of course, all the Intel parts are well above their MSRP. And it, again, just shows you the problem Intel has because even though they are able to, you know, do a lot with that 14 nanometer process, they're apparently not making enough of them to to go into a price war because look at that; I mean, a 10900K is $31 per thread. It's just – it's above – well above uh, what it costs on Wait, how AMD's. It? Oh, go
1: ahead. What is the green versus the red in this chart?
0: Yeah, so the the green is if it's under, it's list price. Okay. So, I have those chips listed in their list price and their street price. All those chips are underpriced, and red is above their actual list price. So, most of the Intel parts are well above their actual MSRP, I mean, that's even that's debatable whether that exists anymore. But generally, Ryzen is the better deal from what it's supposed to cost versus Intel, which just costs more. So, But yeah, actually, you know what, it is it is hard to read this chart, so I'm going to do this Dude, one. Just go to the next if, one. If you want That's a close
3: look at that chart, though, definitely go to Gordon's full review on PCWorld.com because you can click on anything and get the full size one. Yep. So. Uh,
2: also, I'll say, though, yeah. Gordon, this next one isn't necessarily easier to read.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I think it is a little bit easier because you're not kind of like hunting like what's good. So basically, I took the same previous chart and I sorted it by core count, thread count, right? So you can sort of see, like, if you see eight slash sixteen, that's an eight-core, sixteen-thread CPU. The very the the one that's actually costing less, you know, dollar per thread, surprisingly. Uh, well, assuming I didn't, it's actually going to cost out on the street, and I I think it does. Is that Core i 7 ten cent ten uh ten seven hundred F right? It's it's basically about the same price as a thirty seven hundred X Matisse part. So, I mean, the very best, but this is the one thing that has triggered people when they originally launched Ryzen 5000 is if you look at the most expensive of the six core parts per bucks per thread, it is the Ryzen 5 5600X. If you look at the most expensive of the eight core parts, that's modern because there's still a Haswell thing just to show how ridiculous it used to be. It is the Ryzen 75800X, right? It's, it's well above you know intel's eight core parts and of course um it you get a little the prices are better as you get to uh the 12 core and 16 core part but still it's you know it's it's more expensive because uh the ryzen 5950 is 25 dollars a thread the uh and the ryzen the 12 core part is where is that uh is 29 dollars no, 23. It's actually still good. It's actually still a reasonable deal, you know, against the Cascade Lake X part, but they, the prices have moved up. And the thing that's the most painful, and I always try to needle people about this, is the Ryzen 5 5600X and the Ryzen 7 5800X. So
3: that's real. Well, I mean, I think, uh, like you went through all these charts, but for me, reading your review, there was just one little section of a paragraph that really summed it up. And it was that Ryzen 5000 gives no quarter to Intel. Like if you want heavy lifting multi-core work, AMD wins light single thread tasks, AMD wins gaming AMD wins PCIe 4.0. You only have AMD right now. You can use your existing motherboard. That's AMD. Like AMD is across the board winning. Yeah. Like to me, I understand why people are upset that prices are creeping up this generation, but at the same point, look at what you're getting for your money. Like, Intel has no answer to that
1: I yeah think Intel that's has the no- concerning oh. part though right yeah. because if Intel has no uh answer to it right now, then we could actually move into a space where we have the reverse situation of before yep. where there's no competition right yep. and I think that's really the more concerning aspect of it not that you're getting more for you're you're paying more to get more <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> oh there's Gordon wringing
1: his hands
0: I, you know,
2: that, that is... <laughs>
0: That is, we are, and I will say, and you see it in me, uh, the PC community is always about wringing hands, always worried about the next threat. Um, and I, I agree. It is, It is. if if we believe that Intel really, of course, AMD fans should think about this. If your your favorite wish is to see Intel just roll around in the gutter for the next five years, don't expect these prices to get any better. They may no. in fact get worse, right? Because that is the nature of the market.
2: You mean AMD's um, prices?
0: I wouldn't expect them to. Frankly, if I were an investor, let's let's be honest, these companies serve their investors first. It's it's good when they can mesh those with the the needs of their customers, but they are there to pay their shareholders. People people have given them money and they want money back. Mm-hmm. So to do that you have to make more money and i i know people think it's like they're in this basically as a government service to give you computing to make it the better but they are not they are there to serve their investors it's great though because what has gotten us to the point where you can get where you used to pay 11 nearly 1100 dollars for an eight core cpu to 500 to you know basically what uh $449 for an 8 core CPU for one that would just smoke that
3: 8 core CPU from just a few years ago. That is competition. Yeah. yeah, it's not just price and core count. It's like these are a lot faster. <laughs>
0: these are a lot faster. And you know, and I do say where it gets a little slippery and that, you know, AMD's comfortable playing this, I think. And I have not reviewed the 8 core, 6 core part but you can imagine, you know, the IPC is similar and they've probably tuned them to compete very well with Intel's parts. I suspect they will wail on those Intel core parts very much like what we saw in our um, our thread scaling at the thing. But what they don't do is open up that edge and like, you know. Use you, you get to sixteen threads. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be seventy percent faster or forty yep. percent faster. It might only be twenty percent faster. Oh my god, I'm getting ripped off, right? But that's <laughs> that's that's the concern, but I think that's I think the fifty dollar price premium is is actually very reasonable, frankly. So
2: uh
1: I feel like there's two questions coming out of this, right? And it kind of touches on what chat's been talking about too, which is, you know, what's the next move for Intel now? I mean, will we actually maybe see price cuts, like real actual substantial price cuts for the first time?
0: Well, they you know the thing is Intel prices and if you look at our original that little you know blue and red, it actually has come down because again, remember uh, it's it's actually come down where let's look at it it's per per core. For the 6700K Skylake part, Intel is charging $87. 7700K, again, similar, 87, $87, which basically was the same price on Sandy Bridge and previous parts. 8700K was $60 per core. And with 10900K, we're down to $49 per core. It is a more expensive part, but they are having to charge less because they do have to compete. I think Intel's problem is they really can't cut prices anymore. Right, I mean, yeah, you would say like you should cut your prices like they did on those, those big, you know, uh, Core X parts. Those price, those things took a huge price cut, eighteen hundred dollars to suddenly nine hundred dollars for the next version of it. They, I don't think they can do that. I, I think when you look at the reason why my chart is so insane, because Intel has a a, a ten. Uh, there's a Core i 7 10700 K. There is a Core i seven. 10700KF, there is a Core i7, uh, 10700F, there is a Core i7, 10700Nothing, right? Okay. So they basically, they've had to take parts that they normally would have said, let's just throw these things out and grind them into dust. <laughs> They're selling those, right? That's what those F parts are. They have no graphics core. They said, like, we gotta sell everything we got because we still can't really make
3: enough of them to compete. So I, oh, don't I will say price cuts they can, can save them. This past year, we have seen occasional deals, even though they've been struggling with manufacturing issues on Intel parts, which is something you never, ever used to see. Sometimes you'll find, you know, the 700K for 50 bucks off, which you'd never saw before this year. And yeah. I also think that the way AMD attacked uh, the CPU space with Ryzen is really playing to its hands right now using the chiplet design. Because like with these new 5000 series parts, their IO die is still using the last-gen 12-nanometer, uh, 14-nanometer process. And so that's cheaper than moving everything to 7-nanometer. So they have three dies on these chips, two dies on these chips, whereas Intel, everything is still that one big die. So that that really locks them in.
0: Yeah, and AMD likes to play up that fact that they use the same IO die. It's the exact same 12-nanometer uh, IO die from the 3000 series because – uh, they basically don't have to do much. They basically said, "Hey, we got this new Ryzen five thousand. Swap them out and ship them out, and that was it." So that they really played that up as like, again, they're able to to run an AM four. This is sort of their grand plan from the beginning to be able to just simply and it helps them get to market faster, right? They've got uh, all I'm kinds of speed and advantages. They can just they're just a lot more nimble than Intel with the the way they designed everything with their chip,
3: chiplets. Uh, I'm real curious to see what Rocket Lake looks like, because right before AMD came out with all this, Intel started teasing that, right? And they said they're definitely going to be on PCIe 4.0, which is good. I'm surprised they didn't this year. I'm glad they're doing it next year. Uh, It's going to be, I believe, 14 nanometer. I'm not sure if this is confirmed or a rumor, Uh, but but Willow Cove. So basically their 10 nanometer design backported to 14 nanometer. Uh, and I believe they said up to eight cores so they're actually going down a little bit in the core count so yeah. I mean um, I'm real curious to see if they took that 10 nanometer design and brought it back to 14 nanometers simply because 14 nanometer is so refined at this point it's hard to get that kind of clock speeds at 10 nanometer yet
0: yeah and I think you know if again if Rocket Lake is a 14 nanometer part if it is basically Ice Lake, you know, basically mapped into uh, a, an older process. Mm-hmm. You know, Ice Lake one of the problems with ten nanometer, ten nanometers they couldn't get high clocks out of it. Tiger Lake does indeed mm-hmm. get to higher clocks. Yep. If this is Ice Lake though, because maybe it was begun before they they got Tiger Lake um, cores out. It's they could you know you know look at that when you look at that Cinebench R15 where a single thread was nineteen percent in favor of AMD. You know, ISAC was in, you know, was a very nice, you know, uh, step up in IPC, so they could get closer. It'll get them a lot closer, possibly. It'll be interesting to see what they can do with clock speeds. Um, but I think, you know, as you just said, Brad, the other issue, though, is ACOR is, is not, you know, I don't care how good it's going to be, it is not going to beat you know, a 12 or a uh, 16 core AMD part. So maybe that left side of the chart, which right now is embarrassing, frankly, for those 14 nanometer parts, those Comet Lake parts, mm-hmm. maybe it gets a little closer, but that right side is still going to just really favor AMD. And then AMD will
3: just simply hammer them on core count again, I think. so. Mm-hmm. And depending on how that IPC and clock speeds, you know, turn out, AMD only a little bit Came ahead of Intel in gaming here. I think there's a very good chance—not very good chance—I think there is a chance that Intel could claw that back and just leapfrog just a little bit ahead of AMD in gaming again with Rocket Lake. Yeah, we'll have to see where it goes from there. We might be a little bit of a back and forth. We might also just have AMD be dominant for a year plus, depending how Rocket Lake goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, for all we know. an interesting thing now, this is the this is what I like is the the manipulation of 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 everything, or the optics of everything, because there's a couple things I noticed. One, I looked about maybe four weeks ago, and the price of a 10900K was like $700. Yep. And I looked just a few days ago, right before the launch, and it had come back down to, like, reasonable prices suddenly. Like, huh. Well, a lot of that is because there's just more supply, right? And you see this with GPUs, right, Brad, where they try to play with each other right before the other's launch, they push Every out more time. tips there and they try to get the prices closer so that customers look at it and they go like, well, these are actually pretty close. Whereas like, oh, I'm going to really pay $700 for a 10 core part versus buying yeah. a, I, that gets me to a 16 core Ryzen 5950X, right? That's, so yeah. that's one. The other thing though, there were leaks of Rocket Lake performance and it did look pretty good. It did look pretty good, right? But yeah. it's interesting that you would suddenly see a Rocket Lake Performance has leaked just a few days before you know Zen three launched. Mm
2: -hmm. So what if (laughs) I get? Of course. Uh, Also, real quick, uh, Elena's system hard relocked, so uh, she's rebooting. She's coming back. Don't worry, chat. Also, I want to get to a couple questions I had in the video and expand upon them. Um, But the uh, we talked about where Intel or where it still makes sense might make sense to buy Intel. In the video, we talked about, you know, the, the reasoning to definitely go watch that. But uh, I thought of a couple more, and, and chat brought one up, too. Um, you know, we didn't talk about the cachet. Intel still has cachet, right? You oh, know? sure. So yeah, like that's... It, it's it's like if you know Intel and you've been burned in the past, they still have that. I mean, that, that takes time to erode away. So that's at least something. But then also the chat was talking about Intel. Um, Intel has stock. Uh, So, you know, a lot of people are really angry that this is a paper launch, you know, and that if they want to get a CPU, they can immediately right now go out and get, a, get an Intel part. They, they it's not a have paper stock. launch.
3: None of these have been paper launches. People just want these so bad. We've all been home forever at this point. We yeah. all did not go on vacation. We all have money. We all want to upgrade our systems because all we can do is sit around and play games and make videos if that's what you're going to do with your 16 core part. It is yeah. what it is, <laughs> and I, I
0: disagree. I think you know a, a classical definition of a paper launch is, you know, what? you ship one part to each store, and that was it. That was now, the first. That
3: was the first ten uh, nanometer Intel part. They shipped like one 10 nanometer Intel part to like one CPU in China to one laptop yeah. in China.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you could argue that is that is actually a real paper launch because they basically just wanted to say we sold it and they never made them or sold them again. This is just simply. Yeah, we didn't have enough to meet, you know, the demand. And I really, truly believe that's the same thing with. with so uh, It's the same thing with Ampere. And hey, you know what? Put on your seatbelts because this can be the same thing with Radeon six thousand. I don't think yeah. there's any way that AMD or Intel or NVIDIA can meet the demands of what everybody wants. Or right
3: Microsoft now. or Sony. Everyone or wants Microsoft the game right Sony. now. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what?
0: Xbox is not a paper launch. They're just hot products, is what they are. They're selling like pancakes. So. I don't think you should call it a, a paper launch. But I do want to get to that what you, one thing you're saying, Adam, and, and that is I think I don't agree with people saying, well, I you should buy Intel because it's Intel. Now, I agree that is a reason people do buy Intel, but I've been saying this for years. That is not the same as you should buy it. I know you feel better buying Intel because, you know what, you had a, this brand car. It's never let you down. I'm going to buy the same brand car. I get it. But that doesn't mean – that doesn't mean it's actually the better decision because I can tell you single threaded performance, uh, lightly everything from some single to multi core to gaming performance to PCIe 4 to backwards compatibility for, to, you know, dozens of dozens of, of AMD motherboards. There is no reason not to buy AMD. And if somebody is still like, well, I know Intel, I understand. And I don't trust AMD. That really come on, this is not Ryzen eighteen hundred X, which was a rough launch, but still spectacular. And I think that reason is is not really valid. I, I understand why people do it, but I would recommend that no. You should you should if you want to buy the best thing, you buy Ryzen right now. That's just plain truth, right?
3: I agree hundred percent. I do understand people who look at Intel and NVIDIA's reliability and history of reliability and consider that a check mark in their favor. Like I, like we were just saying last gen, like Ryzen Zen 2, Ryzen 3000, like for whatever reason, it did not like destiny two when it came out. Uh, I went around looking at all the various Ryzen stuff today. Uh, One thing that Ryzen didn't do very well on was far cry. Now, probably because they switched to this eight core complex it's ahead of Intel, as you said in your review. However, I was watching Tech Testers' review of this, and they found that for whatever reason in Call of Duty Warzone, Ryzen is worse. So they're just weird edge cases like that that yeah. still pop up from time to time uh, because people have been building for Intel and NVIDIA for so long. Yeah. But they are very much edge cases. Like, you will almost never see those anymore, I think.
0: Yeah, and let me, let me say, I do think that also brings up something that is valid, because mm-hmm. I know people called me a shill because, uh, you know what, Gordon, people shouldn't buy Intel. You know, honestly, most games are driven by the GPU. You should always put all your money into the fastest, fattest GPU you can get. If you are building a box, as an, if you're building a 90% gaming machine, just like when it was for AMD, and you're going to play at higher resolutions, 1440p and up. Oh, I see better. where
3: this is going.
0: No, and it really, because I used to make – I used to say, look – Intel is fast enough. It's fast enough. Ryzen <laughs> was – enough. but the, the thing is, I said this for Ryzen. You know yeah. what? Even for Ryzen 2000, it's like, yeah, you know what? If you're playing at 1080p, holy smokes, Intel is just – it is way better. But if you're playing at 4K or 1440p, as you get to more GPU-bound games, come on. You couldn't tell wow. the difference. And wow. yeah, I man. made that excuse. Gordon made that excuse for Ryzen. I made that uh, excuse for Ryzen 3000. I'm now making that excuse for Intel, <laughs> which I Fast think you enough. have to, cause you, you have to be, yeah. you have to, you have to be fair because you know what? If you're building a gaming box, 90% gaming box, if you buy a Core i5 or a Ryzen 5, 5000, even a Ryzen 5, 3000 to an extent, and you're going to play a 1440p widescreen, mm-hmm. your GPU is going to be holding everything
3: back. So it doesn't matter. Right. And that's, that's very valid if it doesn't matter. Yeah, I 100% agree. But this is just like such a a big difference, such a seismic change in so few years. I remember when we did our initial Ryzen 1800X review here on The Full Nerd, uh, because AMD's then Vice President Jim Anderson was actually in our Facebook comments defending the company when we were bad mouthing its 1080p performance. And now, you know, here two or three years later, it's it's completely flipped. Now we're saying, "Hey, Intel's fast enough."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just they're just good enough. <laughs> it's crazy, right?
3: But wow. What um, what a couple of years for AMD, man. 2 or 3 years, whatever it's been. 3 years probably. This has been a wild ride. Yeah, and there's
2: yes. an old uh, interview with Lisa Sue that's been making the rounds too. I saw it on our Discord and and whatnot. It's it's pretty fun to look back. Uh, real quick, I totally forgot this. I'm sorry, Lasalle Rhymes the third. Thank you so much. Gave us five dollars. Said uh, uh, they're going to buy the Ry- Ryzen 5000 series and a. Oh no no, no. they're telling Brad to buy a 5000 series and X570 board. Uh, they love the review this morning and the show now and a great job on the on the uh, the build yesterday, Elena. So, oh, thank you nice. Rams third. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um mm-hmm. but the so the other question I had kind of posed on on the review that I I kind of want to hear Brad and Elena's opinion. I mean, it's 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 not 100% fair, but one of the greatest strengths also of a m d is a m four right the idea of saying, "Hey, you know what? I have a motherboard that I can use old chips uh, you know if if it was a nice board and it got support, you could continue using it for these new generations um, I, I like i don't know why i'm I'm thinking this and having this pause now of like, man, these chips are awesome, but should I buy into AM four now? Is is this the end of AM four? Like if I if I bought into it, you know, at the a twenty seven hundred X when it was a huge deal uh, at Black Friday last year, obviously I had way much room to grow, but now if I buy into it now, is it is it at the end? Like it would, would then I would just have the next thing I would have to go to AM five and then I lose all that that ability of of the AM four.
3: a little in the go first.
1: <laughs> um I'm actually going to say something that I think Brad's going to say. So we'll just keep this (laughs) love fest going. Um, I, I would say that if you have to buy now, then you have to buy now, right? So, you know, you buy when you need. And that means that if you don't need to buy now and you can wait, say, a year just to see what gets announced and what the plans are going to be and what to expect out of it, then I would recommend doing that.
3: I agree with all of that. I also will say that Rocket Lake is going to new need new motherboards, I believe they said. So that's also a dead end pass. So if you need to buy now, neither team has an advantage right now. If you want to call it, neither side, neither company yeah. has an advantage right now. But
2: uh I mean that's always been the case though for uh uh for Intel though.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it has uh, been. Yeah. But people were hoping like some of the motherboard manufacturers were building PCIe four point support into the current gen motherboard saying hopefully it's unlocked next gen uh but it sounds like rocket lake's gonna need a new motherboard so neither team has a functional advantage right now uh it really depends like think about yourself and how you buy computers like if you're one of the 95% of people out there who are going to build a new system and hold on to it for four to plus years some people hold their computers for seven or eight years even gaming computers people like Elena's using uh 2600 or something like that in one of her systems right
1: I have a 2500k system and I have a 4790k system so, yeah
3: yeah so if, if you build if you're planning on building a gaming pc and holding on for that long then don't let these kind of considerations put you off just by whatever is the best option for you right now hmm Okay. At yeah. this point, they're both at dead ends. So if you want to build yeah. a new PC, build a new PC. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you should do it with Ryzen five thousand.
2: <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, we yeah, one of the other things uh, Gordon has a has a good article. I, I don't know. Maybe it hasn't uh, run yet. A uh, little preview of you know what what to expect um, for Ryzen five thousand. So yeah. talk about board support things like that. Do you do you want to cover that now?
0: Yeah, let's let's. You know, I think it's really it's really worthwhile because you know these CPUs are very new, and you know of course we've seen how people have reacted in the past um, when there's a new AMD CPU, and they want to talk to the manager because they don't get their fifty megahertz when they and change <laughs> or something that they're hoping for. So this is just sort of a PSA. I think it's very valuable. Um, let's first do uh, slide B.
2: B. All right bringing it up.
0: So basically the actual, you know, Zen 3 cores are basically making changes every 1 millisecond and the fastest picture you can get of what the the core is actually doing with any of the utilities can only sample it every 250 milliseconds. So Uh, this is really good here you can see that that's 955 frequency voltage adjustments the software can't show you so basically you can see that that actual the map that's just one second of uh, a rising core and then you can see where the os is sampling it and it's not much so you're not really getting an actual picture from any of the utilities out there for what it is because people uh, they put them in there. They build their new Ryzen 5000 system. Then they install the utilities. And then they're looking at their rain meter and they're going, oh, my God, I'm not getting this or whatever. A lot of this is because you. it's really hard to get an accurate picture of what the chip is doing. Hmm. Um, but <clears throat> AMD has nicely, you know, given us some guidance, all of us. So let's do slide D. I did this out of
3: order. Sorry, Adam. Uh, How could you? All right. (laughs) If if it's – I don't know what you're talking about yet, but if it's that drastic of a change, it makes that big of a difference. I'm surprised AMD didn't put out software of its own that could read these changes.
0: Well, you know, one of the issues they talked about, which I didn't show you here, but, you know, there are – They're basically, they're saying, you know, like uh, Intel may basically clock back their cores when they're sort of asleep. So they're napped. They use less power by, you know, running at very low clocks. AMD basically is putting their cores literally to sleep. They use no power. They generate no heat. So you know what? If you have a utility that is going in and poking that core Every millisecond, that core is like, Hey, what's up? I'm trying to sleep here. (laughs) Now you're, you're not getting, you're not getting that awesome, you know, uh, sleep state. You're not saving the power. So the observer effect of then disturbing that, that core all the time actually makes it worse. It actually, you might actually think you're getting like, Oh my God, the CPU is actually using more power running at a higher temperature or more voltage. It isn't because, but it's only doing that because you're simply going there and poking it all the time with utility that you know probably wasn't meant to but they've they've given us some guidance here so this is what you should expect for voltage scenarios so this is how much voltage this is a little nerdy but how much factory voltage you should see it's so it's 0.2 volts to 1.5 volts that's the range generally under an idle 0.9 to 1.2 so just sitting there doing nothing if you're running some desktop apps you know chrome browsing blah 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 one point maybe 1.1 volt to 1.35 volts max boost 1.45 to 1.5 volts so you know and of course if you're running an all core it might be 1.35 so content creation under gaming it might be you might expect 1 volt to 1.5 volts so basically you can't rely on, oh, my God, I read on this one form that I should be running at, you know, 0.9 volts. Why am I not getting this? Well, it's just going to depend on what you do. There really is no hard and fast rules, what they're saying. That's good. So just keep that in mind as you get the utility and you and you get all the hand-wringing mm-hmm. from people like, oh, my God, I'm not getting what everybody else is getting. It's because you're doing something different. They also say, look, um, we manage... Everything is opportunistic today. You know, you run your machine with the stock cooler. You run it with uh, a a $20 cooler. You run it with a $100 cooler. Here's what you should expect. These are the CPU thermal expectations, slide C. So, under a factory stock max temp, 65-watt part, which is the Ryzen 5, expect about 95C, right, max temp. You should expect about 90C for the 8, 12, and 16 core 105-watt TDP parts. Now, if you are running with an entry-level cooler, 80 to 95C, a mid-range cooler, 70 to 85C, and if you're running a high-end cooler, 60 to 80%. So what they're really, the lesson really is don't freak out because you're not getting the same voltage, the same temperature as somebody who's living in Alaska in the winter, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think there's one more. We're gonna do slide F. So this is it. This is everything. Uh no actually no, we don't have to worry about that one. Skip that one. That's a <laughs> summary of the same one. So basically yeah, you know, there don't don't go to the internet Read the forum post and then freak out because your brand new Ryzen 5000 is broken because you're not getting the exact same voltage, the exact same temperatures as somebody else. Unless it's the same thing, it's, it's just not, not going to work that way with this chip.
3: Yeah, unless you're overclocking or something where you set it all in the motherboard and do all that. But that's a totally different beast to begin with.
0: Yeah, and then you've got ambience, you've got, I mean, there's just so many variables. I think the key lesson is just don't freak out. And a lot of these tools are going to be very hard to get a perfect picture of what those uh, Zen 3 cores are doing. But they do say HW info is always been the gold standard that works awesomely. But even that, remember the cores go to sleep. You don't know what it's doing. It's not going to give you an accurate picture of what those cores are doing when they're asleep. (laughs) If you run Ryzen master though, it's kind of cool. It will tell you when the cores are asleep. It'll say indicating
2: sleep mode. So, uh, so, you know we we got a we got some questions about gaming performance uh, should they upgrade all this kind of stuff uh one of the questions earlier was from ss space s uh, it <laughs> says uh i keep my cpus for 5 or more years i mean I, I think a lot of people do uh i currently have a 4670k my question is uh for gaming, uh, should they be si- uh, uh, upgrading? Should they be six cores or eight cores? Obviously, we'll, we'll kind of get to the, the console stuff, but where where do we think is the minimum for core count for gaming right now?
0: You honestly, yeah. I, that's, I would say if you're... So you want to buy something new because I will tell you uh, Haswell versus this Ryzen 5000 part is going to be a huge improvement in performance. I would say if you were building a 90%, 80% gaming box, you know, uh, Ryzen 5, 6 core part, I think that's plenty. If you're doing, say, 50% gaming, 50%, you know, video editing and, you know, thread heavier, then you go to 8 cores, then, you know, Ryzen, then an 8 core Ryzen makes a lot of sense. And of course, obviously, if you're doing 3D modeling and you don't want to pay for a Threadripper, do a 12 or 16 core.
2: So you think, you think for pure gaming, 6 core is, is fine?
0: Yeah, I don't. I still don't believe there is such a thing as a pure gamer. But yeah, I think honestly, I think you know. And honestly, and here's the thing: it's controversial. Oh no. Four cores is fine. You know, four core, eight threads. It's not going to be as quite as smooth. Sometimes you may give up some frame rate. But if you're talking about the difference between a thirty-eighty or thirty-seventy, because you had to buy a new system, then yep. I would say generally faster GP is better but going back to Haswell that is really really old so honestly I would say Ryzen 5 but if you're looking at a Ryzen 5 6-core for a 95% gaming box with a 3080 versus a Ryzen you know 9 with a 3070 or a 3060 Ti or a Radeon then
3: yeah that's, that's- I, I I generally agree uh, I think 6 cores and 12 threads are going to hold up for years and years even though the new consoles are moving to 8 cores I think uh, 6 cores is still going to be the way to go forever the last gen consoles were also 8 cores they were much worse cores but they were still 8 cores (laughs) Uh, and I agree with everything Gordon just said I would say that if you really do plan on holding on to it for 5 or 7 years and you're worried about it and you have the budget maybe consider getting the 8 cores just to be you know cover your bases especially if you are the kind of person who would upgrade your GPU every two or three years, but not your whole system. So I agree with Gordon in general. I'd rather have a 5600X in a 3080 than whatever the 8-core is called in a 3070. But if you plan on upgrading your GPU in a year or two anyway, maybe consider getting the 8-core CPU, just if if you're going to hold on to your system that long. Okay. Okay. Cool. I still really doubt that, any games in the foreseeable future are going to be something that runs awesome on a core part, but not a six core part.
0: Yeah. That's not how you sell games in the PC.
2: A <laughs> uh, couple more questions. Z530 just asked, can we expect mobile parts at CES or even later on Zen 3? I,
0: I have no idea, but it, I, I will say uh, high end, look, if you could put off buying a high-end gaming laptop, I would do it. Um, right now, basically, it's 14 nanometer, you know, Comet Lake parts on laptop with 2070 and up. You can't get a 2070 with a Ryzen part. But I really look to, when I really think about this, you're talking about 14 nanometer GPU, C- CPU with, well, what is, uh, what is, uh, 3000, what is, 2000 on that's uh, what is it 14 nanometer still or 13 i forget which one it is but you're looking at maybe a 15 nanometer gpu with a 14 nanometer cpu versus when we get to maybe let's say middle end of next year where you could be looking at uh, 10 nanometer intel or an 8 nanometer uh, uh, nvidia part or 7 nanometer you know ryzen 7 nanometer gpu those gaming laptops that will come out on that, that huge process shrink that we're going to get, they're going to be like spaceships compared to the laptops you can buy today. But if you have to buy a gaming laptop today, you got to buy it, right? But I would like, if I could wait for those next generation laptops, I I would definitely do it.
3: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I'm curious to see how the announcements get handled actually for all of these parts because typically you see these mobile parts start to roll out after desktop parts have already been established but for you know these zen parts as well as all of the GPUs at this point are pretty much high end parts so i'm curious to see considering how late these are all coming what actually gets announced at CES whether it's expansion of the desktop lineup whether it is mobile parts or both or neither who knows yeah. it's a weird year
0: yeah you know, but, but I've, 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 i i don't you, doesn't it feel like uh, computex has been like a laptop show i mean it depends on when they line yeah. up but i would bet computex we will see uh, you know, some really impressive, perf- you know, yep. um, parts from Intel, NVIDIA, and uh, AMD, at least by by text, which is next summer.
2: Hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, sorry, a couple, couple more questions. Uh, Torbin was asking, um, what's the realistic max memory frequency most Zen 3 chips can run in one-to-one ratio for the Infinity Fabric?
0: I think they said uh, it's the same as before. I thought it was, is it? Uh, it's either eighteen hundred or seventeen hundred in that range. Basically said, you know, they have said their guidance is if you want to overclock, you know, clearly it is always best to overclock memory. That's where you get the most out of Ryzen. So you want to keep one one one, right? So I I should have dropped in a slide there, but it's very similar to what the previous parts were. You know, seventeen. Yeah.
2: Are are you sure? VC Gesture says uh, Debauer got up to four thousand. monster says thirty seven thirty three. Uh, I guess. Did I, what uh, did you, I just e, say? E, you said like eighteen hundred.
0: Oh yeah, sorry. I'm I'm doing it the wrong way. So yes, thirty seven thirty three, and it's pretty close, two thousand off. But yes, <laughs> that's that's half the speed, right? But yeah, you want basically what you saw with, with Zen three. You want got it one
2: one one right? Got it. Uh, and Elena's back. Welcome back, Elena.
1: Sorry, my <laughs> machine keeps uh, blue-screening on me.
2: Oh, no worries. Shit about um, Mac. <laughs> and, another question, uh, or maybe the... I uh, don't oh, know, still a couple more questions. People got questions about these parts. They're excited. Uh, question yeah. for me, uh, will you be looking at any of the lower core parts? Uh, you you focused on the, the two main ones, or the two high-core yeah, high ones.
0: I hope to. I hope to... Two. We were not sampled that. A few few sites were. Ian, go over and read Ian Cutters' review over at Anantek because, again, I re- I recommend everybody hears all voices, not just one. So he had one. I think a few other sites also got a hold of them. Um, I suspect his results were similar to what we saw in the high-end parts. Did he, Brad, you said he gave him a gold,
3: like a gold yeah. rating on
0: it? Yeah, Yeah, so-
3: gold interest award, which yep. they hand out very rarely over there. Nice. And I also saw a video from, there's a channel called Tech Testers, which is really good. Uh, And she did a video this morning that exclusively focused on the 5600X. And as opposed to testing it, you know, like we do as a CPU review, she tested it from the point of that versus the comparable core part, but at 1440p and 4K games. So if you're looking for like a video that covers like practical stuff, if you're planning on pairing that with, uh, you know, a gaming machine with a high resolution monitor. I would recommend go checking that out.
2: Nice, okay. Tech testers. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Star Scream-y-us. I love love that name. Uh, Gordon, I have an i seven sixty eight hundred K Broadwell E four gigahertz all core. I play games at four K. What performance uplift can I get from upgrading to an X five seventy plus a fifty nine fifty X in gaming slash regular use?
0: I well what what gpu does he use? Or uh, she?
2: does not say.
0: Yeah, so again, especially at 4K, you are so very much gpu limited. I it's possible. I mean, Broadwell's pretty ancient at this point. I I would bet you'd see a little bit, but I just think you're taking your 6800K and you're throwing all that away for I mean, you know, if you're talking between a 3070 or 3080, that's – I would – most of the time, I'd take a 3080.
2: Oh, hey, he's got a – or they have a uh, – the world-famous 1080 Ti in that system. Oh, yeah. See, what
0: do you think, Brad? 1080 Ti. At 4K. 6800K, 4K. Man, I I, th- well, I, I think just... you'd be
3: much better off uh, trying to get a 3070 or a 3080 for that yeah. amount of money. Yeah. Uh, 5900 – did they say 5900 or 5900 – Fifty nine fifty, But either way, with the motherboard, uh, it'll wind up being the same jets, price. Yeah. yeah, it'll wind up being the same price as a 3080. And I think if you pair that with a 3080, you'd have much more tangible, appreciable gain in performance results than you would if you swapped out the CPU and motherboard. Uh, there yeah, will be I cases, know. even with the 1080 Ti, uh, where you might start to see a bottleneck uh, in some very few games. Upgrading your GPU will get you much bigger bang for your buck.
0: Yeah, it's just always better on a, on a 90% gaming box, but you do have a broad OLE, so if you are doing, you gotta weigh what else you're doing. If you're doing, you know, content creation, that stuff where you want those better Zen 3 cores, then yeah, it's gonna be a nice,
3: a nice kick in the pants. In gaming, it
0: rarely ever, yeah, I mean, it, 1080 Ti versus the 3080s. It's not even a contest. If right.
3: you're playing CSGO with low settings at 4K resolution on your 1080 Ti, consider upgrading the CPU instead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those. Yes. Me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and also, uh, VC Gesture gave us five dollars. Thank you, uh, sir. Uh, earlier and uh, said nicely? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> I thought the same thing in my head,
3: but didn't say it out loud.
1: Same. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice okay um anything else (laughs) nice uh anything else for the uh ryzen 5000 stuff anything else we want to cover um elena
1: so i i dropped out of this like twice so we may have covered this already Mm -hmm. so sorry if we did um anything uh yet on rage mode and smart access memory or is that coming down the line
3: that's that's all tied into the uh radeon launch that's right okay so
1: I was wondering if they had given
0: any hints about that. Not on the CPU side. so. But I know that people have said it is. you can disable a smart access memory in the BIOS yep. on these boards.
3: I really need to look at it. I was going to, but I haven't even looked to see if that option was there. Speaking of boards, uh, we covered it in a past episode, but in case you're just tuning in now, uh, today... Also updated, Gordon has an article, like, if you already have an X500 series motherboard, what you need to do to get ready if you did buy one of these chips. So if you're one of those people who are looking to upgrade and already have an X5000 series motherboard, you know, B550 or X570, go check that out because you're going to need to de- update your BIOS not once but twice. So go check that out.
2: Got it. Uh I'm dropping in the, the chat right now. It was yeah. a two-step one, huh? Yeah. Uh, anything but else? All of-
3: I'm just amazed. Uh We've talked about a lot of charts. We've talked a lot about a lot of numbers, about a lot of competitive stuff. I just want to say, like, bravo to AMD. Like, this is, you know, hard work and a long time coming and incredibly impressive. And
1: it has been 15
3: or so years since, you know, AMD's been able to say we have the best chips full stop. And that's what they can say today. So congratulations to them. And I'm very curious to see if, radeon 6000 I minutes mean, to do the same to nvidia it might wind up being a hell of a month for amd all around
0: yeah no i mean that's where i think people want to see is a, a real real fight between nvidia
3: and uh, amd
0: i have high hopes for consumers so because i mean what amd gonna... has done with their battle with intel and this competition has been nothing but i mean just revolutionary just from just from 2016, we have just, in four years, we have just come an insane distance on the CPU side. It'd be great to see that on the GPU side.
2: I mean, and we we talked about this. Prices. uh, Yeah, we we talked about this off-air, Gordon, but uh, in the the video production boxes we have between uh, work and and the office, the streaming box that we have uh, in the office is a uh, 5960X. and the the machine i'm currently using right now to stream off of is a 6900k that at the time those were the, were the top tier eight core parts and and we paid an arm and a leg for them and it's just crazy to think that next year i want to be upgrading these these uh video production boxes and it's it's a fraction of the price for even better performance uh mm-hmm. it's crazy <laughs> Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, VC jester gave us five more dollars. Thank you. It said Gordon, the best way to twist my ear for being lippy is to join us on the Foldner Discord. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ultimate goal.
3: Ultimate goal. Uh, Documents deep- me, finally. I haven't been in there much because I've been very busy, but I peak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And,
2: you know, uh, I know uh, Robert Halleck from AMD is still, uh, still in there. He, he hasn't been active, but, you know, he's probably watching. All <laughs> uh, no, right. I
0: mean, just a crowning achievement. It's, it's just amazing.
2: It's a fun place. Uh, anyway, um, do you want to move on to, to some console talk? Also powered like.
1: AMD. <laughs> Here we go.
3: <laughs> talk about I didn't, consoles. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, today, uh, so next week, five days from now, is that next week? I don't even. Next, next Time matters anymore. Next Doesn't Tuesday. Matter anymore. Okay, next Tuesday. So next week, uh, the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S are launching. Series X is five hundred bucks. Series S is, I believe, three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today the reviews went out. At least for the Series X. I'm not sure about the Series S. Both. Yeah. yeah
1: both uh, of them. Both. Both. Of them All right. right. Today.
3: So you can go check those out. You know, Microsoft's next gen console is here. Uh, we have one. Uh, my colleague, our colleague, uh, Mark Hockman, actually did a big piece, which I found really interesting because uh, we don't review consoles as is. So he took, you know, he was looking at this as the Xbox Series X just managed to save him the cost of a gaming PC because he's saying for everything the Xbox Series X offers, because Microsoft is taking a much more PC-like approach to this, uh, he doesn't have to consider waiting in line for a 3070 or anything like that. He can just get an Xbox Series X and start gaming. So uh, does anybody have any thoughts about that? (laughs) Why spend that much money, though? (laughs) I mean,
1: I can
0: do the same. I can play games on an iPad for (laughs) 300, or I can just get GeForce Now on a Chromebook.
1: Oh, oh! The eye- so for the audio listeners, the eyeballs just rolled straight up into the head there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're stuck. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was especially interesting because Elena just built that Series X uh, rival PC yesterday. So. My first
1: round at it, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's another thing. Audit. That's
3: another thing. How we should much did it end up costing?
1: Mm, okay, so, uh, so for the article that will go up, it hasn't gone up yet. Um, I I priced it out according to the idea that it's just a PC. But for the YouTube build, I decided to go a little, be a little extra and I, I went for size as well. So that was a mini ITX build. So that added like $300 to the build. Um, as it stands currently with street prices, the, the PlayStation 5 build, which is what I did yesterday, um, is probably about $2,400 because it has a 2080 Ti and the street prices are not good on that card right now. Yeah, but you can just call it a 3070. I know, but just put a sticker bucks. on it. It's like $600 <laughs> and it's more about 1800 ish 1900 ish That's still a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's still quite a bit more. Um, people were saying, Oh, but you know, for console, you still have to factor in the cost of Xbox Live Gold or PlayStation Plus. So that brings it to like $800 for, you know, let's say like five-year lifespan. Um, I think, it is a valid point if you plan to play multiplayer games, but if you're only a single player campaign person, you don't actually need those services. So that's where it gets a little murky, right? You have to do your own personal calculation. But even at $800 dollars the the PC is a thousand dollars more. like at least at least seven hundred dollars more if you're actually just building a normal PC and not going for like form factor as well.
3: Yeah, especially because they have those PCIe 4.0 SSDs. Those things are are rough. I think, looking at Mark's piece and looking at some of the other pieces around the internet today, the other reviews, a lot of people are running really credulously with the 4K 120 claims of Microsoft. Uh, And I just don't foresee that happening in the vast majority of games. So I'm curious to see how that all shakes out. Because... Yeah, they could probably hit 4K60 with something that's roughly a 2080 Super, 2080 Ti level graphics, but 4K60 in a new game, 4K120, like there's a lot of games that don't get that with a 3080 <laughs>
2: <laughs> well and, and also at least the, the the first place i looked for for review was uh richard ledbetter over on Eurogamer slash uh, digital foundry he had some interesting things because they they always really focus in on on performance and stuff like that uh and a couple things the uh, the low-end uh xbox series s uh, was he at least for what they had the because obviously the the launch lineup is is not necessarily the, not there. the, the, the yeah the the strongest uh, thing to, for especially to, to gauge performance. But he's saying he's getting a little bit more on the the 1080p side than the 1440p side uh, that they that they were trying to position it as. Uh, so that's interesting. Number one,
3: <clears throat> I find I'm fine with that because I found the whole 1440p thing kind of weird. Like it, it, they are trying to make the whole thing in my. Opinion more PC like in general, like here's just an upgrade, it makes what you already have better. Just like if you upgrade your graphics card, that's basically what it's the Series S next are right now. But nobody's playing a console on a 1440p monitor, very few people are. They're going to plug that into their TV. I consider the Series S more of that. If you have a 1080p TV instead of a 4K TV, that's what you want.
2: Well, but I mean, it's a it's, I mean, but there's a difference of. Having a game run natively 1080p and upscale to 4k, and having a game run natively 1440p and upscale to 4k. I think most people are are on 4k. Not, in, I, I mean most people. I don't even think have 124 or 120hz 120 high refresh rate TVs yet. Yep. Uh, so that that's weird. Also, another, another weird little thing is that the UI is supposedly still in 1080p. It is not scaling and outputting at 4k. Uh, which is which is a little weird Uh, i mean obviously that's something they can update later they're probably doing it fix that yeah i mean they're probably doing it to keep the ui speed uh intact because that's obviously a big mark against the xbox one
1: that's that's (laughs) weird though because if you're running a pci4 ssd um and with zen 2 cores i don't think the ui should be have that much overhead and have that much effect on performance I
2: mean, maybe they're just playing it real cautious, you know I don't think knows. it's- a ca- I, honestly
1: i I would be less inclined to think of it as a caution thing, and I would think of it more as a we have to get this out the door by a certain time. This is yeah. what we've been able to certify. We'll go back and fix it later Good I one. would imagine yeah. that
3: would be jarring. I don't know, I haven't played on a console on a TV in a long time. I have a switch, but uh the, to me, like if you're playing a game on p c and you're you know running it at four k you know, sixty hertz, whatever. Then all of a sudden, you jump to a cutscene that's thirty frames per second. It's like, whoa! I'd imagine going from a four K output to a ten eighty P, you know, menus would be the same thing.
2: Well, also the uh, the the other thing too. Sorry, back to the the resolution and refresh rate stuff is that even when it is being run on a tv that can handle 120 hertz that doesn't mean the games are being rendered at 120 hertz yeah it just means it's once again kind of a form of upscaling right you know that's something console people don't fully get they're like "Ah, it says 4k on the box well maybe it's rendering at a lower resolution but it's still outputting at 4k same thing for the high refresh rate it's not necessarily rendering (laughs) at higher rate you know uh, frame rates it's just syncing that to the to the tv it's not quite
3: the same thing as dlss <laughs> but it's the same broad idea
2: <laughs> yeah yeah basically uh, it's it's but, interesting i you know i th- I think it's uh obviously the the games aren't really there yet to to show the not maximum performance uh so... it's
3: really too bad that cyberpunk got delayed because <laughs> everyone's complaining about halo but i think cyberpunk would have been the game that would have been for, across all the next gen consoles all the next gen pc hardware to been like oh look at cyberpunk Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: i mean i think it's just shame in general because normally a launch lineup is stronger than what we're seeing here i mean i think the the review that i read that most summarizes my feelings on it where it's like it's good but you don't really need to get it right now
3: yeah yeah but
2: i mean the best
3: best, you know i think the focus on you know Backward compatibility is actually a card in their favor at this point because they do have all those games from Xbox, the last gen or current gen, whatever you want to consider it, still work on this. But now they have Ryzen and SSD speeds, and those are apparently transformative from all the reviews I read. Like these consoles had, I believe, 5,400 RPM spinning hard drives in them. Moving to an SSD is a world of difference. If you're listening to this and you have a PC with a hard drive in it, get an SSD if you're gaming. It makes a world of difference. And that's coming to consoles now. That's great. That's going to have a big impact on the PC going forward, uh, I feel.
2: Let alone uh, PCIe 4. <laughs> so the, the jumping from spinning platter hard drives to PCIe 4. Stuff I don't even cases. have in my system. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I, uh, I'm really, I really like the sound of the quick resume feature that they have on the Xbox, where basically you can just store game sessions inside of its memory. And so you can just like instantly jump back into three or four different games. Uh, that sounds awesome. I don't think we're ever going to see that on the PC side of things, because system memory gets used for everything on the PC, whereas the Xbox are just pure gaming-focused well, things, so they can devote that space to it.
2: And that that was another interesting thing. I, man, I can't remember if I saw it on, on Richard's article or, or where I saw it, but uh, because of that, they're actually having to dedicate uh, hard drive space, so the usable amount of hard drive space on a one yeah. terabyte drive is 800 gigs. Yeah, it's 800 gigs.
1: Uh for the Xbox Series X, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh there it is. Yeah, 802 gigs. Uh so I mean, it it comes at a price for sure. <laughs> if if you if you uh value storage space. Um, so that that is interesting.
3: I'm intrigued by some of the other features I see. Uh looking at Mark's piece, Mark, it, he has a piece up at PC World that I said basically compares the uh, And this he's to actually in stuff. the chat too. Oh, hey Mark. Uh <laughs> talking about uh the automatic HDR. So even if your games don't have support HDR, uh, you can turn something on that will give it fake HDR, basically. And as someone who has an HDR monitor, there are very few games that support that. But it's hard to even find apps that support it. It's come a long way on the PC, but uh, it's still very much in the fledgling stages. Considering that the Xbox is made by Microsoft and it is underpinned by DirectX 12 and Windows Core and all that stuff. I would love to see something like that come to PC someday, perhaps just force it, even if it's just for the Xbox Game Pass games, like I'm an Xbox Game Pass subscriber. I've said that in the past. If you can't get that working on Steam, whatever, but if you can just turn on an automatic HDR mode for Xbox Games Pass games, that would be tremendous. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Um, So,
0: I mean, obviously, I mean, generally people think the Xbox reviews are pretty solid, does it make sense though if you are a multi if you are a PC and console gamer, does it make sense to have an Xbox and a PC because there's a lot of overlapping games with the Xbox Pass, right? Or because I mean, one argument I've heard is by PlayStation because the games are different than you are getting on a PC Xbox combo versus so PC with PlayStation makes more sense than PC plus Xbox. Is that true I mean, or that? I
1: would say that for this generation, that's much more of a, a true statement than it was before. I mean, for example, like Halo was gated for a long time, so it was only available on Xbox. And now Microsoft seems to be taking more of the, the approach of like, you know, game on whatever platform you want, we'll make the games available for you there. So if you like building your own PC, you can have this. Um, if you prefer to have a turnkey solution, here's a console for you. um, Sony has a very different approach and they have a lot more exclusives right now that they're announced, they've announced. So I would say at least out the gate, that seems to be the the new way of looking at it. I, I you say- can look
3: at the flip side of that too and be like, if you buy into Xbox and a gaming PC, uh, even if you don't subscribe to, if you subscribe to Game Pass, that's a cherry on top. But even if you don't, a lot of the games will carry over from one to the other. So if you're sitting there and you want to play, you know, cyberpunk with all the bells and whistles turned on or forza with all the bells and whistles turned on let's say on your pc and play at 4k whatever you know yeah. all kinds of stuff you can play that at your pc with your racing wheel and stuff and then if you want to go play it on the tv you can pick it right up with the exact same progress yeah. that you've had the exact same save that you've had all that kind of stuff and okay. i i find personally find that a pretty strong argument
2: yeah that, that's I what i'll that- point out is that uh, yeah people in the chat are are like they don't want to necessarily put a pc on their tv and they, So they want two things. They want a, a PC, and then they want something on their TV. And if they have Xbox Game Pass, then it already links into it. Uh, so, yeah, that, it, it's, still, it's still viable for yeah. somebody, for sure. It,
1: I think it really depends on your situation, right? So, like, if you're somebody who does move often between the PC or, like, your desk and the living room, that would make sense as a, you know, a, a lone single gamer. Um, if you have a family and you have someone playing on the living room and someone else playing on PC, that also makes sense. But I think if you're somebody who doesn't move beyond like a single space for gaming, then it may not make as much sense to have both. And then variety comes more into play.
0: Well, I have one more one more question. <clears throat> I actually have two more. Yes, uh, you down, question,
1: <laughs> yeah, down uh,
0: I was really kind of curious about power consumption, and I think Adam said uh, Ledbetter had... Measured it at what 170 watts. Under, uh, the under, well gaming.
2: Yeah, he he had a uh, a couple games uh, power off. It at was between yeah at, at the wall zero zero to two watts, uh, where yeah. the Xbox One was half a watt. Uh In the dashboard, it's 42 watts as opposed to Xbox One X, which was 48.5 watts. Rise of the Tomb Raider peak 30 frames a second locked on both systems. The Series X is 151. Xbox One is 170. Dead or Life Six peak unlocked. FPS at 4K 60 which is their highest was 165 watt where Xbox One was 177 watt so uh, definitely a dip generation over generation uh, Yeah, they not get a nice huge dip but
0: they get a nice bump from the process change from AMD but I was actually surprised the wattage is so low. I really thought it would be 200 to 300 watt range, but that's what well, to be you know quite under 200 is is I don't know if I'm I'm more disappointed than anything, to be honest, because it just feels like. Why? Well, because I, I just don't believe that it's, it could be that efficient, you know. But also,
2: these games aren't pushing it to its extreme. That they're, you know, none of these games that that have come out have really like said, you know, what this takes full advantage of the Xbox Series X. Yeah,
1: and I think the power supply is rated for 300, if I remember right. So.
3: And you gotta remember it's a console, so these are significantly downclocked parts, at least on the RAS front.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I do think it speaks to, you know, I mean, frankly, the more power you consume, I'm gonna guess if you take, you know, Zen 2 plus a, you know, 7 nanometer next gen, you know, Radeon, it's gonna use more power because it's gonna be more powerful. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. wondering if that, I sort of see that as that power consumption to be kind of like, huh, that's, it's sort of maybe not using as not as powerful as I expected. I guess I have to say.
1: Well, you know? I think it all goes in hand in hand with temps as well, right? So I forgot which outlet it was, but they they pointed a, a temperature gun at it, and they were saying that under load in certain games, like they were seeing like fifty six degrees Celsius, which is pretty cool especially given how constrained and relatively small that system is. So I don't think they can crank the power draw too high because then how are they going to dissipate all that heat?
0: Well, I mean, that sounds like it's its not making a lot of heat either. I'm just kind of like, but I mean, I guess it's just what Adam was saying. These games are just, they're they are basically coasting on these, these next-gen parts right now. So it feels like once you get to the games that push it, it might be well into the 200s. I mm-hmm. would just think, you know.
2: Uh, I don't know. And yeah, it, it was it was once again Richard Ledbetter who who pointed the the thing at it and talked a little bit about the cooling design of it and was saying it it, it works as intended. It's it's really packed in there and it's it is blowing out, uh, taking the heat, blowing it out through the top as as efficiently as it can on the 130 millimeter fan. The uh,
3: GPU is a locked uh, clock speed on the Xbox Series X, so it's always running at the same speed.
2: Got it. Got it. Uh, but also. Uh, Sorry, I was going to say, uh, uh, Mark. Uh, Mark Hawkman from the chat says uh, uh, that they they disagree with Elena. I play Xbox on my PC display, uh, and then switch over the so that during the day they work on the laptop plugged into the display, and then switch it over to the the console uh, on the on the same display. So there's uh, always someone spends Mark. all days
3: playing games. Right. There's <laughs> always That's someone.
2: No, 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 he works and he works yeah. during yeah. the day, and then he switches. <laughs> <over>. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: I would, I would argue that
0: he's using it wrong because yeah. I'm currently <laughs> writing a counterpoint to Mark's story because... Here we go. Let me ask you Sorry, this. Sorry, Mark. Uh, we should Adam, just have Mark you, get on. You, you looked at Richard Ledbetter's coverage.
2: That was the how first did, one I looked at, yeah.
0: How did he edit his video yeah. for the Xbox? What, did he use the Xbox Series X or the Xbox Series S for that?
2: Well, I don't know. Or pe- PlayStation pe- Five. Pe- people are telling me when I when I say you can't edit video on a, on an Xbox or a, a console. People <laughs> are you go look at the chat, Gordon. People are saying you can edit videos on a console. What? So I don't really know how I doing get, it?
0: How much do an they charge course. for Creative Cloud? How much do they charge for Creative Cloud on on the Xbox and PlayStation platform?
1: That but here's the thing is boring. an important
0: point.
3: Oh, go ahead.
1: But well, here's the thing, Gordon. We're talking about a game. He talked about a gaming PC, which means for the purpose of gaming, not because it's like an all-in-one machine too. It's a little bit of an apples-to-oranges comparison. Yeah,
2: because Mark Mark doesn't edit video. He he definitely is is gaming first for sure.
3: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's I think the key takeaway here, uh, both from Elena's build yesterday and from Mark's piece here. That if you are looking to just have a game machine, get it going, go get playing games with all these xbox game pass with all this kinds of stuff uh all the AAA games pcs are not going to be able to match the entry price of these new gaming consoles whatsoever probably for a year or two consoles are much more limited you can't do your taxes you can't do your homework you can't do creative cloud uh but if you already have a pc and uh, and a power supply that can support it i mean if you wait just like a month or two and we start seeing like a 3060 for 400 bucks or 300 bucks. I think you'll be able to slot that into your existing PC and it will cost less than this Xbox series X does and give you comparable performance. Probably not as far as quick resume and stuff is like that is concerned because you know, that's based off PCIe for SSDs and stuff. That's not going to happen. But I, right now is a weird time to try to match it in a month or two. I think PCs will have a much better chance of meeting or beating What they do once we start seeing things like a six Radeon 6700 or a RTX 3060, you know, the next step down, that's just not quite here yet. I think they will go blow for blow with the Xboxes and Playstations of the world for less money and it could slot into your existing PC. You could bring all your Steam accounts to it. You could subscribe to Xbox Game Pass like to me. Consoles and PCs are two fundamentally different things.
1: Yeah, For sure. especially because, you know, the, the longevity on consoles has been so long, too, that the upgrade cycles are different. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll, they'll still be touting, you know, 4K 60 performance in five to seven years. It may not look as good as on PC, but those people won't have spent more money on, say, another graphics card so they can maintain that in the AAA titles. Is that still true?
3: If in seven years, 360 hertz is the standard on PC. Yes, please.
0: (laughs) But is that, I I have a question though. Is that still true that there are on these long cycles, hardware cycles? Because, I mean, let's face it, consoles have been PCs for a while now, and they just simply relabel PC hardware. Hasn't it gotten shorter, or is it still actually that seven-year cycle? Because it feels it is, like it's, should...
1: it's lengthened. Well, so this last cycle was seven years, and the previous one before that was eight years.
3: The, X, I... the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 4 Pro were one-off weird things. We don't know if they are the new normal going forward, or if they were just upgrades to be able to enable PlayStation VR and for Xbox to put something out to, you know, rival the PlayStation 4 Pro. At the say same they time. had
2: the the hot the the fastest
3: console. Yeah. 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 We don't know if that's the new norm because traditionally, all throughout the years, it has been, you know, five to eight years. I, 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 I thought it
1: was weird, too, with the Jaguar cores being there for so long. Oh, they were so, so they, bad. They were bad. So they had to temper mm-hmm. it with something. So What's the last... know, a boost on the GPU side helped them.
0: So, wait, what? The Xbox Series? <laughs> no, <X. laughs> the previous the Xbox, Xbox One X. X. Good Lord. That, Actually, that was the original one
1: no the xbox one was the absolute original no no i mean
3: for x86 so the when they moved the amd xbox one x was the original now it's series no first it was xbox one, xbox one. then it was xbox one x and x. now it's xbox series x
0: so xbox one to x oh jesus so yes. like from the first one to that mid-range was seven years it really was seven yeah. years no, Not to the so mid range, that was five no, he's years talking.
1: So so the Jaguar cores to answer your question, like when they first appeared was actually in the three sixty, if I remember right, or at least the second version of the three sixty. Um,
3: what year is that? Oof. Roughly no, it was in the
1: Xbox
2: One.
1: Well, we're talking about Jaguar cores. They yeah, they were in the, the Xbox, were they? Yeah, okay. but they appeared in the 360 era, if I'm okay. remembering this right. Um, and then Xbox One came out. They used the same cores, which why oh. it was, which is why everyone was like, what? And then the Xbox One X was a refresh upgrade with a GPU, basically, upgrade that came out in 2017. So the, that was a four-year difference. And then we're getting this actual true relaunch, or sorry, new gen- new generation in 2020, which is a seven-year difference from when the original launched. But the CPU side hasn't changed, hadn't changed at all.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is it's not seven years. They're basically on a four-year upgrade cycle, right? It's the one pattern. time ever. Yeah, the last last time, yeah. But there's no reason for them not to do it again.
2: Yeah, I actually know. Honestly, I think Microsoft, that is Microsoft's approach. They want to be like the iPhone. Hey, yeah, you know what? You you get you two years later we we have a, the next one you want the hottest one go for it the old one still works you know until it until it doesn't the, I th- I would say Sony though is going to stay more traditional and go yeah. really hard into you know what four five six you know very very generation where I think Microsoft's going to switch to you know we we put out the newest refresh get this one if you want
3: that's why I like about the Microsoft approach because I am a PC first kind of person and I feel like the new Xbox you know. Their Guiding Light is a very PC-first kind of way, even though they are consoles. Because what they're saying is, yeah, this will still work. All your games will still work on last-gen. All your games will work on PC if you have Xbox Game Pass. They'll work on xCloud if you have Game Pass. They'll look even better if you have a Series S or Series X. Like, if you have the money to upgrade, this will be like getting a new PC if you consider your, your console like a PC. Like, it's not like upgrading your graphics card, and I'm fine with that. Uh, I like that idea that your games library and experience will continue with you forever. That's part of the reason I like PC. Uh, and I do think Microsoft is going to lean more into it. I agree with everything Adam said. Sony will not.
2: Um, but we should, we're should. we running out of time quickly. I do want to get to some questions. Uh, cool. I'm sure we'll talk about console stuff later too. What's up? For
1: you, uh, chat is correcting me and I'm looking this up. Uh, I was wrong PC, about the 360 yeah. CPU. I think what I'm confusing is that there was a refresh within that. I think after the whole like red ring, no, nope,
0: nobody can keep it straight, man. Nobody, keep their, those are Xbox, they shouldn't even have a model number. Hello, console, Xbox console that users that out. Oh are God, starting to like experience
3: iPhone. the Microsoft branding that us PC users have been suffering through for decades. Mm-hmm. It makes <laughs> no sense. It should damn be sense. like
0: it should be like the <laughs> Apple thing, where you don't even know what it is, and you got to look up on every Mac. Well, which one is this?
3: You know, like I, it's the MacBook. I mean, it's going to,
2: I hope they just go to, like, Xbox 2020, Xbox 2022. Mm-hmm. That is one then, reason to buy PlayStation 5. <laughs> At least you know you're getting the
0: new it's one. That's
1: true. I that's do appreciate that they keep the numbering system very clear. Yeah.
2: Anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, so, let, let's move on. We, we got some questions uh, that, that we will wrap up before we get out of here. Oh, boy. Why did my overlay not work? Uh, that's weird. Okay. Let me try to fix that. Oh, that's why okay uh so question uh we, we just got uh five dollars from vc jester uh thank you sir said uh, how many 15 year old console games can you play for free on the ps5 i can still play everything on my steam account yep. I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily free on your steam account but yeah <laughs> well yeah. it's still
0: there
3: Although to be fair, Microsoft has done a lot of work porting Xbox three sixty stuff and Xbox Arcade stuff over. They've done it's still not universal. Yeah, but they've done a lot of hard work. They really are trying to make it like more PC like now that they're on (laughs) X eighty six.
1: But I think the question was specific to PlayStation 5 which is a little bit of a a dig at the fact that they're only yes. supporting I think even select PlayStation 4 games It's it's, game it's, it's most driver. of them. It's most of them. Uh, yeah. I, I
2: think they're just being playing safe for for lawyer reasons uh, but it sounds like the the support is mostly going to be there. Uh anyway, I, I we can definitely get into that but that we should save that for next one. Uh Rez, Rez C gave us $10 earlier. Thank you said um uh, Roman was talking about the new overclock features on the ASUS Dark Hero. Have you guys heard anything about those? Also, any idea if we'll see those features on exi- existing X five hundred and seventy boards, like the normal Hero? I'm, I'm not sure about that motherboard. Is anyone? Familiar I have with that not
0: one? paid too close attention to it, but I mean, you know, it's one of those things where these motherboard vendors, they always especially ASUS, they really, they really come up with crazy ways to overclock. As an added feature to get you to pay more for that motherboard, so sorry, I I don't know.
2: Okay, uh, going back to your your review, uh, we covered it in the review video for Ryzen 5000, but we didn't cover it here. So Kraken uh, had a real quick question: uh, Why, Gordon, why didn't you use a 3080 instead of a, a 2080 in your review reviews? I yeah. wonder why <laughs> I didn't use a 3080 because.
0: No, and actually, I really was, because I know, (laughs) I didn't, we didn't say this here, but, you know, AMD says, like, you know what, if you go from a 2080 Ti to a 3080, in some games, you will actually see a performance bump with Ryzen 5000, you don't see it as much or at all with Intel, so they're basically saying, we they're scaling better with uh, faster GPUs, and this is AMD using a 3080, but, frankly, I don't have a 3080, and I don't. I you know I wish I did. Otherwise, I would have used it in testing. But there's maybe I will use a Radeon RX 6000. It's,
3: yeah, so. it's uh, too bad. Last year we all kind of died from it. But last year when they had that big seven seven day and they launched the seven nanometer GPUs and CPUs on the same day, uh, it would have been more useful for them maybe to do that this time around too. So you would have had a Radeon card to use in conjunction with that, but less.
1: Are you signing up for even more murder and <laughs> uh, death I'm marching? Dying.
0: yeah but more time and more time to tune and really to if if radion r6000 is as good as they are saying it is you know you why 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 take all your good news in one day when you can spread it out over a while
3: so i'm hogging all the 3080s (laughs) i'm kidding i just sent adam one
2: uh all right another question uh let's see from Beinato, is AMD finally creating their own proprietary structure with uh, system access memory, SAM? Uh, like how CUDA has been for professionals, will SAM be the gaming equivalent to where even if Team Green can hold the performance crown, the theoretical benefits of potentially better frame rates, times, yada yada. Uh, yeah, yeah, you get the question. Oh, proprietary.
0: Is it? Do I think it will... Yeah, it's definitely proprietary. I, I know that. Yeah. Um, apparently, NVIDIA does something similar. AMD, in their briefing with us, said we're basically doing it better with ours. So, And it helps since they control the CPU and GPU, whereas NVIDIA and its relationship with Intel, is always, you know, they're friends right now probably to fight AMD, but not always in the best of terms. We'll I have
3: to see what the actual implementation is when Radeon stuff comes out, too because there's been a lot of chatter online that it is basically the PCIe Express Resizable Bar command uh, with some special sauce, maybe. And uh, that's just enabled and branded, kind of like how NVIDIA is calling its direct storage support, RTX IO. Like, it's basically AMD's brand name for PCIe Express Resizable Bar. Uh, and if that's the case, who knows? Uh, we're going to have to wait and see to learn more.
0: Yeah. I do think the one thing that's interesting is from AMD's perspective, they said this is something we haven't even told developers about. They know about it now, so we do expect them to support it. But you can imagine, since they happen to make this thing called the Xbox Whatever X and they made the PS five, that they're using their strength like, you know what, you're this is a feature we're doing, we're supporting it, here's how you do it. You can do it for consoles. By the way, it's going to help us on PC, too. So I think that's that's really coming into play more and more, whereas it didn't make a huge difference previously.
2: Uh, got another interesting question from Oso Rojo. Uh, is there any word on finalized Radeon 6000 IO ports? Uh, I'm looking for a card that has three display ports, but I've only seen two so far.
3: Yeah, speaking off the top of my head, I believe the reference design has two display ports, an HDMI and a USB-C. I think, uh, as was shown when they held it up and in that Fortnite render that they did. Uh, once custom cards start rolling out, you'll often see different configurations. Like a lot of RTX 3080 cards use the same stock, you know, uh, three display ports, one HDMI port. But the Asus models switch that up and have two HDMI and two display port. So if that's something that you very much need, I would just keep an eye out for... Uh, custom parts. I wonder if the
0: USB C will support DisplayPort out. Because I mean, that may be w- another way to do
3: it. I is it an I would mode? think that it very well could. Yeah.
2: Uh. Okay. One very last question. This one's aimed at Elena. Um. High-end, huge exp- uh, from Hazizi. High-end, exp- uh, huge and expensive graphic cards have dominated discussions recently. While those of us on a budget have been swamped by the new consoles. Elena, is Uh, Elena, is there any reason to get excited in the budget desktop space in the near future, besides sales, especially any new developments in APUs? Is there any expected evolution from the 3400G?
1: I mean, there's no concrete news or announcements to make one excited, but I think there's always that trickle-down effect. So based on everything we've discussed today and what's come down the pipeline already starting September and what's going to come out you know, between now and December, I think all of that bodes well for the budget space. You just have to hang tight and hopefully whatever you're running right now can see you through to like, say, next, say, March, April. And I'll have a better idea of what to expect then because, you know, you mentioned 3400G Um, earlier this year. um, There was a launch of OEM parts, 47 or 4,000 series um, APUs, but nothing yet on the desktop side. I did, did Robert say something that, like, there's something for people in the DIY space? I thought he actually did come out and say something, that people just had to be patient. So
0: I think so. I think yeah, that's right. so
1: I, I think it's just, yeah, basically what he said. Hang tight for as long as you can. See what comes down. I'm looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, Right now, like we were talking about earlier with the discussion about these being paper launches, which they're not, uh, they're selling out of everything that they can at the high end and they want to make as much money as possible doing it as they can. But as they're manufacturing those high end parts, things are, you know, being rejected for not quite meeting those specs and falling down and getting bin to lower end specs. So those lower end things are coming right now though. They're just totally going to be looking to get the high end parts with the high end margins out.
2: Makes sense. All right. Uh, sorry. We, we have to, uh, to get running. Um, but Gordon, why takes not out of here? All right. Check back next
0: week for your fix of PC Talk and the Full Nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also, if you go to those services, please leave us a review. Every time you do, uh, X, they come up with a new Xbox confusing series name. <laughs> Send questions and comments to the Full Nerd at dot com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Dung with Brad Charkas.
2: Adios, show. Elena Yee.
1: Bye, everyone.
0: And Adam Patrick Murray's
2: gonna hit the off switch. Go play control on the switch the pc whatever you want it's an awesome game bye